It is Locked on Jazz for Friday, February 28th. We'll look at the week that was, prepare for the Washington Wizards, and we'll points game Friday. Should be a fun one, so thanks for joining us. It's Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. Hope things are super for you. I know it's been a tough week for Jazz fans. I saw a good friend of mine last night, and she was beside herself. I can't, can't believe it. It's, it's kind of where Jazz fans are right now. Uh, club's getting after it. We'll see if they can get it righted, uh, get themselves back on track. Uh, obviously Washington comes into the house tonight. This is a terrible defensive team, but frankly, so are we right now. So that's going to be, um, the most interesting thing. Let me, I want to review, I'll get into that game a little bit. I want to review kind of where we were, where we've been all week. We're four and eight in our last 12. That's since the Houston game. The concept that I brought up earlier this week is that uh, that's the game that exposed us. You know, the other theories we just came out of All-Star break, not playing well, without a lot of energy. We kicked a game we should have won. Then we lost to uh, a team that's better than us in the Rockets, and that in itself can bother you. Uh, But they're really good right now. Uh, Since they've gone small, their offensive ratings are 117. Only Dallas at 118 is better. Their net rating over the last 12 games is seventh best in the NBA. They're kind of rolling. Uh, Then we lost to Phoenix, who, again, we shouldn't have lost to. uh, And then lost to a Celtics team that might be better than us with a player we couldn't guard in Jason Tatum. Uh, And so we should be 2-2 and over this stretch. And and I still don't think we're particularly pleased, uh, but we're not quite as flabbergasted as where we are. I mean, I think that if we're honest, Jazz fans right now going into playing Washington, who's 30th in the league in defense and is, you know, six and six in their last 12 and, and actually been pretty average. They're about 18th offensively and 18th defensively over the last two weeks. Like, I don't know that we have a great deal of confidence that we're grabbing this one tonight, even though we probably should. So I think that's kind of, we're rocked, right? Uh, so I thought I'd try to look back at the week and under, just kind of, I don't know if we can document, understand, uh, where some things are. So in the last 12 games, which is since Houston played without Harden, without Westbrook, without Capella, went small, scored on us. Not at a, by the way, uh, not to, I don't want this to be misleading, not at a like incredibly alarming rate um, in that game. They, they were solid, but they weren't, you know, they weren't amazing. Uh, they just, they had a 111 offensive rating, which at the time wasn't, you know, was not, was high for most teams against us. Um since that day, our best defensive game we've had all year is a 101. We've only had two games under 110, which is league average. Uh, that was the Denver game on the fifth at home, uh, as well as the uh, Miami Heat game on the last game before both those played. Bam Adebayo, Nikola Jokic played similar styles with their center. Prior to that, we kind of were hovering under. We'd been under 110 in four straight, in five of six, in six of eight or in seven of nine, um, in 11 of 14, that's, that's where we had been. Some of that is our opponents, but it's, it's not really, if you just keep going back, it's, it's 14 of 18, maybe even more, 15 of 19 games, 
uh, in which we had been 110 or below of our defensive rating. And since since that day, um, our defensive rating on the, uh, the day Houston went small on us is a 117.2. Only Minnesota at 117.3 and Atlanta at 117.4 is worse. So we're 28th in the league defensively since Houston just opened the floor on us, drove on our guys, moved Rudy away from the rim. Uh, if we look at kind of, let's look at that stretch and see if there's what it is particularly that we can find. So from a defensive standpoint, for the year, we're the number t- now number 10 defensive effective field goal percentage. We're 24th since that day, allowing 55.5. So where is that coming from? So... Since in the last 12 games, teams are shooting 68% at the rim. 68%. They were shooting 63%. It's about 25 shots a game. Uh, The actual amount of shots at the rim is not up a great deal. Uh, But that's, that's, you know, allowing 68% at the rim is really high. Uh, the league average, I'm getting it for you right now. I just realized that that's a data point I probably should have had for you before the show started. So uh, my apologies. Give me one quick second. The 15th ranked team in the league of shooting at the rim is the Sacramento Kings at 63. The defensively to allow 68% or 66.7% at the rim would be 29th in the NBA, only team that's worse is Sacramento at 66.8. So in the last 12 games, we are now 29th in the league, if it were for the season. I, I have not, um, I probably could have, I don't, actually I don't know on NBA stats that I could have done that. Um, I use cleaning the glass instead, if for those who are wondering where we get these various things. I don't know that I have opponent shooting in that range. Um, Oh, yeah, maybe I do. Here. We do. Let's make sure those numbers match up to what I just told you. Um, In the last 12 games, they they have one problem in the way they do it at NBA.com. Sorry, thank you for the delay. Uh, So we went from 63% to 67%. The... Our short mid-range shots, so paint non-restricted area. Teams have gone from making 38 to 42%. That's kind of irrelevant, frankly. Um, That is one or two shots a night um, having an impact in that way. Um, In the last 12 games, the amount of shots we're allowing at the rim is not high. By the way, I want to make sure this is really clear. We're in, it's not the amount of shots we're allowing through. In fact, the, the amount is down. It's still one of the best in the NBA. It's just the percentage is super high. We're, so we're doing a relatively good job of keeping people off the rim. In the paint non-restricted area, teams are shooting, as I said, about 42% in the last 12 games. That's the third highest against any team in the league. To some extent, that's just a little bit of unluckiness. It also might be not um, defending, but I think it's a little bit of un- 
more of unluckiness. Um, I think we're not defending very well. I think there's also some unique numbers that are going on here that are making it worse than it actually is. Uh, that's the second worst in the league, uh, or the second most. We allow the second most amount of shots in the paint, non-restricted. That's that's actually okay. We're allowing the third most amount of long twos. That's good. Teams are making 49% against us. It's kind of a ridiculous number. The league average is 40%, and teams are making 49%. On the corner three, teams have gone from 37.8 to 40% from three. That's a little unusual. It's not crazy. It just kind of says to me, you know, a few balls have gone in the league average. There's 36, 37. And then the one that is a little insane right now is the above the break three in the last 12 games is at 39%. It's the fifth opponents. It's the sixth highest of anyone in the league. The league average is 36%. And if you actually dig into this a little bit, it's actually happened most recently. In the last four games, teams are at 47%. Over the last 10 games, they're at 41%. And they're at 39% above the breakthrough. The reason that, if you kind of follow statistical world, that number actually, there's not a lot of variance on it. So if you go and look at shooting frequency, defensive, or defensive accuracy shooting, the difference right now between the best and the worst in the NBA is 35 and 39. If you take out the three outliers on each side, you go from 35% to 38%. It's just a very small, in other words, it really almost believes that defense doesn't have that big an impact on it because there's just, if you look at every year in the league um, of how last year, again, take the three outliers out, you're at 35% at the top and take the three outliers out, you're at 37.5% on the bottom. The, the variance there is very small. The standard deviation stays very tight. It's every year it's true. So above the break, three-point shooting is always thought that you're either just kind of getting lucky or unlucky. Right now, we're certainly getting unlucky. Teams are at 39% over the last 12. They're at 41% over the last 10. And they're at 48% over the last four. So there's some numbers in here that would tell you that while things are bad, there's actually just also a confluence of events that it's it's worse than it actually probably reasonably should be. I'll continue on this thought process we continue. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located over at 4646 South State Street. Do not forget the Logan store. Dallas Sawyer did not forget the uh, Logan store, and Dallas Sawyer got himself a new car yesterday. Uh Dallas has always been a longtime listener to the program. Uh, super appreciate him reaching out. He did exactly what he said. He said, hey, uh, I'm looking for getting a new vehicle. Um, I'm heading over to the Logan store. We set it up so that he made sure he saw Ben or Landon when he was there. And uh, he walked out with a brand new car. Uh, great treatment. Fired up. Sent me an email last night. That's what we want to do. We want to have it be a personal relationship. We want to have you feel good about things. Uh, so make sure you email me before you head down. If you're looking for a car right now, include Hyundai in your list of cars you're looking at. You'll be super impressed with what you can get for the dollars. I'm driving the Palisade right now. It's really cool. Uh, So go ahead and email me 
at dlock09 at gmail.com. And then we'll set up the meeting for you at Hyundai uh, with one of their salespeople and give you that VIP treatment. It's Murdoch Hyundai located in Logan, in Linden, as well as at 4646 South State Street. Okay, so we stay on the four factors. We just talked about we're 55.5 effective field goal percentage defense in the last 12 games. For the year, we're at 51.8. So about four percentage points are off. And it's coming from somewhat of bad luck on the threes. Frankly, somewhat of bad luck on the mid-range twos. I mean, again, the mid-range 49.2%. That's not going to last. A lot of this will settle down. I mean, the good news here, honestly, the good news is we have the number one shot distribution in the league defensively, and we still do. So we allow middle of the pack above the break threes. We're allowing a few too many corner threes recently, particularly in the right corner. That's, I don't know why, but we allow the fewest left corner threes in the league. So it comes out all right. Third most mid-range, that's good. Second most paint-restricted non-mid-range, that's good. And least amount of shots at the rim in the last 12 games, people are just hitting an inordinate amount of them. So that, honestly, that's a better, that's, that's really good news. We're not defending it well, but we're still principally doing the right things. And while we're not good at it overall, there's some kind of skewed numbers that would say this will equalize. Now, here's some things where maybe there's some more good news. We're sixth best at not fouling. Okay. Again, Jerry Sloan would tell us you're playing in a tuxedo. Fundamentally, that's a good thing to not foul. We are not forcing turnovers at all. And this speaks to the passive aspects of our defense right now. We are only forcing 10% of the opponent's possessions into turnovers. We are at, the league average is 14%. The best in the league is Chicago, which is kind of ridiculous. It's 17%. And actually, interestingly, Houston, since they've gone to this switching five, are now up as high as, this is the concern. The shooting numbers I just gave you, those will equalize out. That that's You're doing the right thing defensively. You're getting some bad luck. But we're not impacting movement. And then defensive rebounding, we're great. We're the third best defensive rebounding team in the league. So when you look at Trent, well, can we fix this defense? Well, you certainly can't be 24th in the league in shooting defense, which... I would tell you we'll go back to being about 15th or 12th or 13th in the league just the way those numbers were. It was, it's unnatural. But the no turnover rate is disconcerting because we're 29th in the league anyway and we're now 30th. I don't believe you should be have to be great at everything. Uh, I think that's a little bit uh, difficult. Um, but I do think you've got to avoid being kind of bottom three or four in a category. It's even the offensive turnovers thing where I was talking about dead ball versus live ball turnovers. You've got to stay out of the bottom, right? You don't want to be that team. Um, th- that skews you to having a hard time to have some success. Like Milwaukee does not force a lot of turnovers in the number one defense in the league. They stay in their shell. They keep you, they keep, they do all the things we're talking about. They have good shot distribution. They rebound. They do all these things. So, 
it's a crisis defensively, but I think there's actually some light at the end of the tunnel, and with a little more force, a little more energy, little get those turnover numbers back up. A, t- a tad. We're just talking a tad. We're really talking about forcing maybe three more turnovers a game and see if we can get that number uh, back up to something reasonable. And you should be able, it should be able to improve a little bit. So I don't know if that's, you know, good or bad news, but it is where we are um, since that day uh, where things kind of, we've lost eight of our last 12 and things kind of fell apart a little bit. Uh, On the offensive end, we're, we're only the 11th best shooting team from that day. And these are related, and we've talked about this a lot. This is almost like a re- if you're if you're new to the show today, this is kind of a review of everything we've talked about for the year. Since the Jazz got hot offensively on December 20, right around December 24th, when they added Jordan Clarkson and uh, released Jeff Green, uh, what the Jazz have been great at is points off defensive rebounds have been at 1.23 points off a defensive rebound. That's number one in the league. Points off a made shot, they're 1.1, which is sixth best in the league. It's really good. We have the number one. We, we are forgetting this because of the trauma that we're going through on the other end. We are still the, the number one offensive team in the NBA since December 24th. Okay? Since December 24th, we're still the number one offensive team in the NBA. That That's good, right? That's now been two and a half months or two plus months. So we're number we're we're particularly great off of a defensive rebound. Number one in the league, one point two three points per on a made shot, we're one point one. We're good, we're sixth, and off a turnover, we've been amazing at one point four, but as we just talked about, we don't force turnovers. So our shooting in the last twelve games is now down to eleventh best in the league at fifty four point five, which is a little off our regular number at 55.3. It's more than some other teams have gotten hot. But it's also that little subtle change of us taking the ball out of the net all the time instead of getting the defensive rebounds. For the season, we're the seventh best team in the league at getting the free throw line. We're the eighth best in the last 12 games, so that hasn't changed. From an offensive standpoint, we're 23rd in the league at taking care of the basketball. For the season, we're 23rd at taking care of the league of the basketball. Okay. And offensive rebounding, interestingly enough, we're better recently. We're 12th best now in offensive rebounding. Tony Bradley playing a little bit more. We've been crashed. Now, there is a feeling in the league. It's not actually been proven very often statistically that if you're offensive rebounding more, your transition defense is worse. Um, I don't know. That, that might be our case. Uh, but it hasn't necessarily shown to be. From a defensive standpoint, one of the things we have not been very good at is transition. Okay, so if you go back to, again, we're just picking, it's not an arbitrary date, it's the date that Houston went and, you know, kind of, I thought, got us, right? You know, you walked out of that and was like, "Uh uh-oh, did somebody, it's been a month now. So if you look at us defensively since that date, as we mentioned, we're, you know, we're really scuffling. We're 27th in the league. After a made shot, so as much as we're talking about transition defense, which is certainly a problem, we're actually just as bad after we make a shot as the other t- after the team comes off one of our misses or off a turnover. That to me is again seems really strange, seems unlikely to to last because frankly we're just better than that. But 
we're allowing 1.16 points per possession after a made shot. 1.17 points per off a defensive rebound. And 1.19 after a turnover. So we're 29th in the league after a made shot defensively. We're 22nd in the league after a defensive rebound, and we're 12th after a turnover. So as much as I've been talking about transition defense all the time and everything that's wrong with that, um, it's not been good, but it's not been the problem. That's in, That was surprising to me when I saw that. So that, again, I'm not trying to be a Pollyanna. I think things are, like, concerning, but that actually makes me feel a little bit better the more I think about it because with Rudy, we should be a good half-court defensive team. If Rudy's impacting games... Now, we're only 11th this year after a made shot. We're ninth best after a defensive rebound. We're 12th after a turnover, but it's they're not similar numbers. Turnovers is usually really bad. Again, the, this is just... A, they do a really good job here. They only look at live ball turnovers. The dead ball turnovers are classified as a made shot, which they should be. So, overall... My take on this is we should never be 27 in the league defensively for a stretch of games. Um, some of it is our shot distribution still good. That would really concern me if that was gone. And the fact that we... Now, the fact that we can't defend in the half court is also, in the last few games, is also a statement that teams just spreading it out and driving one-on-one and moving Rudy away from the room. And so maybe that actually is discon- maybe that's not a positive because maybe that's the absolute sign that everyone's figure has a new strategy what they're doing what they're trying to do to us and this is what we can't answer. That quite honestly you could take that just as easily as I tried to couch as hey we'll all, we'll get back to half court defense once we limit people in transition. Um maybe not. Uh Teams are not doing. Teams are scoring eleventh fastest on us in the defensive rebound. There's nothing particularly terrible in that regard. I mean, it's not great. We used to it used to be 29th. Like we used to have people down. It's kind of the slowest in the league. We're not getting there anymore. All right. Um, interesting note on passes and a little points gained Friday. Yesterday we were talking about because of Steve Jones twenty on Twitter who does great job the talk was about missing Rudy missing Rudy and I said actually I'm more bothered by the other way and that is passes from the paint to three-point shooters that's the the one I'm more concerned about because I would like to alter our shot distribution a little bit Uh, I thought this was interesting the biggest guys can do it the guys who've thrown the most passes leading to three-point shots DeRozan LeBron Westbrook, Luca, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Big. DeRozan's relatively big. LeBron's huge. Westbrook's strong. Luca's big. Simmons big. Butler's strong. Giannis big. Those guys are all throwing passes. Now, LeBron and Westbrook have thrown like 150 passes that led to three-point shots this year. No one else is actually that close. LeBron, uh... Actually, I think DeRozan Westbrook lead. LeBron's at like 130. Simmons is at like 130. Our highest, I think, is Donovan at 70. Um, so, to me, actually, that's the question on passes. 
I know everyone wants to talk about the lack of passes to the rim. And the leaders in those to passes to the rim are LeBron, Trey Young, Spencer Dinwiddie, James Harden, and Devin Booker. But, as I said the other night, those are hard passes. LeBron, I, I, I looked it up, LeBron's got 65 passes all year to the rim. So, about one a night. Like, we're running these videos of all the times we're missing Rudy, as so we're supposed to get that five or six times a night. The greatest passer in the league with the most size is getting it once a night. Trey Young's getting it once a night. That's it. There's not another guy who's over once a night. Maybe Dinwiddie's close. So, you know, I, I think that that's, that's a hard play to make. Outside the paint to in the paint, again, like LeBron. It's the guy who throws the most. Um, outside the paint to the rim. Okay, outside the paint to the rim, which is what most of those videos everyone's showing the other day. LeBron has shown, thrown 41 of those all year. Less than one a game. LeBron. You know, I would guess that Joe leads us. He's just bigger. Height matters on those passing lanes. Those are hard. The pass we're all complaining that's not being made is a hard pass to make. All right, quick run through points gained. Who are the leaders in? I'm so curious to watch. Let's start with the last 10 games. I'm pretty curious to see this. Um, points gained is the points you score more than what an average player would score in a uh, with the same possessions. John Collins is the best in the NBA over the last 10 games for Atlanta at 5.8. James Harden at 4.8. Jason Tatum at 4.6. So that means that Jason Tatum, in the 25 scoring opportunities he's using a game, is scoring 4.6 points more than an average player in the league would. With those same, or a collection of average players with those 25 possessions. Nikola Jokic is hot at 4.0. Chris Daps Przingis at 3.7. Trey Young at 3.3. Wow, that's incredible. Jamal Murray at 3.2. Derek Jones in Miami at 3.2 or 2.9. Ben McLemore in Houston at 2.7. Wow. Daniel Tice at 2.5. Rudy at 2.5. Where's Zion? Zion was up on top of this thing for a little while. I would have thought he stayed up here. And I was interested about where Russ is. We'll look at those in a second. Let's look at the bottom 10. Dylan Brooks is the coldest player in the league by a long shot. Oh, my gosh. He's shooting 30% from the floor and 21% from three. R.J. Barrett, who announced he's shooting with the wrong hand, is also at minus 4.3. Then Victor Oladipo. Then DeAnthony Melton. Gary Harris. Josh Richardson in Philly. Kendrick Nunn is slowing down. P.J. Washington. Miami's really slowing down. Malcolm Brogdon. Sekou Dubayu in Detroit. Reggie Jackson. LaMarcus Aldridge, Dennis Smith, Devontae Graham, Kevin Herter, Carmelo, Terrence Ross, Torian Prince, Al Horford, Alfred Payton, Drew Holiday, Tobias Harris, wow, Spencer Dinwiddie, Lou Williams are the coldest players in the league. Uh, Quick check on where Zion Williamson and Russell Westbrook are over the last 10 games, then we'll look at the Utah Jazz. Uh, Zion Williamson is a 1.3, which is great for a rookie, and Russ is 0.9 positive. Russ has been, just if you're new to this, notoriously negative. For him to be positive is the first time in his career he's ever been positive. Here are the Utah Jazz. 
Rudy Gobert's 2.5. Jordan Clarkson, 1.7. Tony Bradley, 0.8. Mike Conley's even. Donovan Mitchell is minus 0.1. Boyan Bogdanovich, minus 0.2. Royce O'Neal, minus 0.5. George Niang, minus 0.8. Joe Ingles, negative 1.5. Is that our nine-man rotation? That's missing one person of our nine-man rotation. No, that's our nine-man rotation. For the season... James Harden continues to be the number one offensive player in the league at 3.5, followed by Carl Anthony Towns, followed by Rudy Gobert at 2.9. Rudy's getting 13 scoring opportunities a night. What did he have last year for all this talk of Rudy getting less than he's ever gotten before? Rudy last year was at 12.6. So they've actually, with the whole league, tried to take this away. The Jazz are getting him more scoring opportunities. Um, for 48 minutes than he had last year. He's 12.8 last year. And nope, actually, that's not true. He was at 14.6 per 48, 11.6, and this year he's at 11.1, so about the same. Dame Lillard is fourth. John Collins is fifth. Um, Rashawn Holmes, then Giannis, Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, Anthony Davis, Mitchell Robinson, and Brandon Clark. We're actually, Trey Young at 1.9 for a guard is incredible. Zion's at 1.8 for the season. We're kind of where we always are. Three players above 10. And then seven players after five. And the lowest guys in the league. Victor Oladipo, Justice Winslow, RJ Barrett, Jordan Poole, Karis LeVert, Dennis Smith, Alfred Payton, Jarrett Culver, Dwayne Bacon, Al Farouk Aminu, Cam Reddish, Reggie Jackson, Carmelo Anthony. Dylan Brooks. All right, that is Locked On Jazz today. Thanks so much for tuning in. It is a Friday. Anthony and Adam always do a great job with Locked On NBA, so tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On NBA.